Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm Susan, Laris, and Dan, and I am very happy to be back here today after a break last week. Um, today is Saturday, June 12, 2021. And yes, I was helping with an online event last week, and so I wasn't able to be here, and I decided to just give it a little rest instead of doing it at another time. Today I have really yet another topic that is laid upon my heart to talk about and it really is so vitally important at this time and that is spiritual assurance and how we come to know it and any one of us is fully capable of coming to know what this is. When I was younger, I went through a time of tremendous soul searching. And then it kind of took a break. I just stopped thinking about spirituality because I just didn't know what to believe. And yet through all that time, I still had a form of assurance, even though I may have thought that maybe I didn't, I really think that I might have said that I did in the sense of knowing. This is what I'm talking about today. Knowing there is more. Knowing that there is more to this reality than what we're told by those who view it in a very limited way. And unfortunately, and even recently, I have had this happen with me. We are so accustomed to it being the accepted way in our world to just agree to mechanistic views of our reality to views that are devoid of any kind of spirituality at all. And here we're separating that from belief because belief is a construct that is built on top of what it is I'm talking about here, this knowing. And people run from the knowing because they've been taught 
that there are only certain ways that they can think about that knowing. And what I'm talking about here is while still leaving room for many different ways that people believe, no matter how deeply they feel that their way is the true way, um, and I know that this program has a wide range of listeners with many different ways of believing and very sincere convictions. In fact, this morning I just happened to stumble upon something that I heard, which was a minister, very conservative minister, but also really someone who cares about um, having grown up in an oppressive environment, knowing just how important it is to not allow that, knowing how important it is to understand that spirituality is freeing, not oppressive, even though, you know, this particular person I happen to stumble on would probably judge my own um, considerations of belief because I've ranged pretty far um, in my own um, considerations of what um, what actually may be true about um belief and spirituality and why we're here and how it works and and what that means for me. And yet this person talked about um and I can't I don't even know the person's name truthfully, um, but the talked about um how when you were flying and there are clouds Above the clouds, you know that experience of rising above the clouds. Many of us haven't flown in ages, it seems, and that's become quite normal. I have a feeling many of us won't fly as much going forward, and we'll accept that, and maybe we never needed to. Anyway, um, you go above the clouds, and what do you see? The sun. It's bright. The light is there. The clouds may obscure the light, and I would go even farther than this particular minister went in saying above that is the universe. Beyond that is the multiverse, which I would tend to think he would agree with me on, even though our belief systems or what I may be considering versus what he believes or what I question, or where I'm seeking, where he very firmly believes a particular way, or what I may firmly believe in some way may be different, we still share this notion, this knowing. It's not a notion. I need to be careful here because we soft sell it. We're driven to soft sell it, and it's becoming so important now to be clear, as clear as we can be, about how we feel about spirituality and reality. And I've done it recently where I've even called spirituality belief in one conversation I had um, where I soft-sold what it is that is so important to me. And you come away from those conversations and you say to yourself, why? Why are you doing this? Well, part of it was I was trying to honor the space of the person I was talking to who I know you know, doesn't have the same foundation I do. 
And I wasn't there to be preaching to this person. That wasn't my goal. Because people come to things in their own time and in different ways. Something else this minister had to say, but it was just quite amazing listening to this person. He also went on to say how every one of us has within us essentially the spirit of the divine, and so we know that it's there. And this was after I had already planned this show. I set it up last night, and yet here it was echoed by someone who might actually judge some of the things that I believe in or that I've entertained or I've considered, and many of us are explorers in, you know, how does it actually work? You know, do you believe in reincarnation? Have you seen evidence of reincarnation? That's a big area for me. How does that mesh with other things? You know, do you believe in an unconditionally loving divine? That is, for me, it has to be that way. I went through an awakening some years ago. And let's be clear, I had really gone down the scientific path, and yet I never gave up knowing that there was more. I never really gave that up. I just didn't know how to characterize it. The light was there, and I knew it. And there is never a more important time than now upon the planet. Not only are so many of our lives impacted by everything that has been going on. Not only are we confronting questions of what it of autonomy and discernment and so many things and what it means to live within a free society and what that means. What it means to have empathy and yet also individuality, where that balance is. Because In terms of what I have observed of multiple belief systems, the divine is not oppressive in the sense that even some systems that may seem very oppressive on the surface, there is still the notion of we are here to have free choice on this planet. And it's very important at this time because if we start embracing and elevating yet an alternative belief system, which we've been doing, we have been paying it lip service for long enough. That's how I feel. As someone with a math degree who has worked in the sciences, we have been paying lip service to only one view of reality, which is the mechanistic scientific view. This is not the same as questioning science. Science is the pursuit of truth. And if we were honest in science, we would be open to all ways of pursuing what the actual nature of of reality is. Coming into this program, I happened to see an article about a quantum microscope being developed. In fact, um, Joan Sirio, who was on this show, even though I'm not doing interviews now, so let's be clear on that, and I'm really needing to do these explorations, and also these programs are very spontaneous. In the old days, I used to do so much preparation 
for programs. Every author I brought on, I would read. And also, I feel like the time has come in my own work to just unfold some of my own teachings, my own thoughts, my own explorations. And often those were being, um, you know, out of respect to whoever I was talking with. We would have a good conversation, but I wouldn't always express myself fully um, because I was bringing their work forward, not mine, even as we were having a conversation. Right now, at least at this phase in my work, I'm called to be talking with you honestly and spontaneously from my heart, which is exactly what I'm doing. Just last night I decided what this show would be, and I don't do much preparation, although I do do a little, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Rather magical preparation, I might add. So anyway, there was this article that Joan Sirio posted um, and it was about quantum um, microscopes being developed, that someone has developed this and it apparently sees into what was thought to be impossible. And I looked at this and at first, you know, we pay so much attention to quantum physics and how it's demonstrating things and yet I have to tell you, my listeners, that although there are things to be seen within it, we need to transcend even that because our tendency is to want to apply the mechanistic view to spiritual concepts and we lose sight of the mystical. We lose sight of the mysterious. It's not always so explainable in the terms that we have known. That doesn't mean that we can't study things and find evidence for things. I've certainly done that. I will continue to do that in my work, and over time I hope to you know, bring some of that out. Some of these things that I've been studying started right from the beginning of when I awakened. And yet, I, wanna, I was going to open this show with this thing that happened to me some years ago. You know, how do you know? What are you talking about? Spiritual assurance. I had an experience many years ago, and this was during an awakening period for me. And I would see concrete things, demonstrable things. And many people can attest to this. In fact, people have been together in groups and seen amazing synchronicities. These are meaningful coincidences that are akin to statistically impossible, even though there is no such thing, but so improbable as to be almost impossible. And one day, I wasn't sure, and I've actually described this before, but it's been a long time, I think, I was thinking about the nature of the divine and how difficult it had been for me to conceive of the divine and the nature of the divine and loving the divine because not really knowing how. And so one day as I was working with this and during this time I was much more mystically open because I was having an awakening. I had been through a difficult period. I had asked for guidance, and I had opened up to a lot of things. Some of those things um, helped me to consider, you know, what what the divine was not and what 
um, also, you know, just to really explore every aspect of what I needed to in my own um, belief system. Well, anyway, so I was thinking about this notion of loving the divine. Um, And I said, because, you know, within some of you listening, within Christianity, the top commandment, so to speak, as you said, it did. It was hard for me to understand how can you be commanded to love God, that that was the top commandment. Well, thinking about that more broadly, that actually means loving everyone and yourself because even as this minister said this morning, the divine is in you and everywhere, and I've said it many times on this program, that we're talking about the omnipresence of what I characterized within my belief system as unconditional love. Can I prove that it is unconditional love? Well, see, there's a question. I can feel it. I can feel and I can have all kinds of explorations, which I have over many years, as to what it would mean if it was conditional. Would that even be divine? Would that really be the highest possible way of being and I could only come to the conclusion that it has to be unconditional and that was the guidance that I felt but the thing that happened that day is I was sitting in front of my computer in a discussion forum which was a spiritual forum and I think it was even before the days in fact I'm I'm quite certain it was before the days when I was on the Oprah forum although I could be wrong because I used to write a lot and my posts would be, you know, surfaced on the front page of Oprah.com, and those were heady days. And I wrote under the pseudonym Bridge Builder, and not myself. It was easier to write freely as a pseudonym, and everyone did. You weren't even allowed to use your real name. And before I was on the Oprah forum, I was on other forums too, and this was a part of my awakening process to explore different concepts when discussion forums were common. And they're becoming more popular again, I've heard. But um, in those days, that was really the way that people interacted online. This predated what we know as social media, even if social media kind of existed. So one day, I was sitting in this forum, and I was pondering in my head and in my heart about this notion of loving God. And not even labeling God as any label, just the universe, God, the creator. I didn't know how to conceptualize exactly. It didn't matter because, see, that's the belief part. How do you, how do you better describe it? But I, this knowing of, of this concept, and I said in my head to God, I love you. Immediately, I mean within Seconds, instant response. I scrolled down the page that I was on, and a post came into view that someone else had posted. And what it was, it doesn't matter because this was a divine being in everything and everyone. There was a picture of a galaxy and the words, I love you too. That happened. I even took a picture of the screen. I don't think I still have I think I later posted it on the Oprah forum. I know I talked about it. And I can't even remember how many years ago, but this happened. 
when you begin your walk into the spiritual, things like this will happen. Any scientist will become convinced. This is not just, oh, you're looking for red cars and you see a red car on the road. No. It's specific and direct. It is there, right in front of you. And if someone else had been sitting there with me, they would have seen it too. And sometimes they are. These things can happen in groups. They're not imagination. They're not delusion. They're none of those things. Those things can't exist. They absolutely can't exist. You can um, lose your grounding. Um, Many people who've been through spiritual experiences, we've all had journeys with grounding. And um, it takes time to internalize that there really is this miraculous world and that it's real. I have spoken so many times um, about how so many scientists I have known growing up, they loved science fiction and fantasy. They loved it. They wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, and they did many of them. I never did. I thought it would take up too much time, and I just didn't want to get caught up in it. I wasn't in that world, but I knew people like that. They would never call themselves spiritual, and yet so much you knew they wanted to believe. They And maybe, maybe deep down, and this is the premise, they knew. They just didn't know how to express it. They didn't know how to come to terms with it themselves. Before this show today, I was looking for some readings. I didn't look very hard. I was led to three. Well, one isn't exactly a reading. Um, At one point, I was looking for a particular book, which I won't, it's irrelevant in the moment, although it is about um, oppression and and um, it has some things to say about how we navigate through a world where we need to be ourselves, where we need to value authenticity, where we need to value freedom of choice and discernment and listening and honesty, and that we need to value all of those things because there are many out there who um, they don't really value our exploration of honest things. And um, that's unfortunate and lower vibrational. Um, And, you know, define that as you will, lower vibrational. But there are things that actually respect our, um, you know, who we are. (laughs) Um, And that's the spiritual level. Things that don't respect who you are and that disrespect a person by being dishonest. Um, And sadly, um, within many research realms, far too often things are manipulated to a particular end. Far too often the profit motive is there. Far too often there's an agenda. That's not real um, research. Real research is research. It's looking for truth. That's research. And um, if we really were looking for truth, we'd be exploring the spiritual. And we wouldn't even know how to label that. We would be exploring the nature of reality. This show's going to run into overtime. I can tell 
already. And so for those of you listening, I do appreciate the live audience. I do appreciate that this show has been surfaced once again on the front page of Blog Talk Radio while live. And um, if you want to hear the rest of it, because it's going to, the live, oh my goodness, it's even number one live in spirituality. Thank you so much today. It's not about ego, it's about outreach. And truthfully, anyone knows that on these networks anymore, that doesn't, that doesn't, it's not like being, you know, writing in Oprah or even years ago, but it doesn't matter. Um, I care about each and every one of you that's listening. This show has been through many different times and, you know, podcasts, and I am kind of intending to increase its outreach. I'm going to start syndicating more, um, and I greatly appreciate where I am, but I also appreciate that it provides avenues to an outreach beyond where I am. And this show, it's in places like iHeartRadio, and there are a couple other places you'll find it. In addition to Blog Talk Radio, they have partnerships. But um, anyway, I am, I'm happy that um, there's some affirmation of this topic. That's an affirmation of this work and of this free flow that I'm sharing with you. So thank you to whoever I'm thinking as to how that came about. Um, so anyway, if you're live with us, um, it'll be in the podcast shortly. We've got five more minutes. If you're listening to this in the future, you're here with me presently. Please do listen to the program about nonlinear time, and I talk more about that because your energy is here with me now, right now. I am sitting beside you talking, and thank you. So as I was preparing for this program, I was looking for readings. Well, this will make it to the live show. One of the things, a book practically fell on my head or would have if I hadn't gotten a a um, stool to stand on. It was up on a shelf because I was looking for another um, book which actually had to do with um, how we respond spiritually during, um, you know, difficult times, during times when people are trying to suppress that. And don't doubt it. There are people who truly do not believe in any kind of spirituality. And part of the premise of today's program is where does that take us as a society? What does that mean that we have elevated this, that we have elevated and basically allowed our own knowing, our own research, our own exploration to just be overwhelmed by those who don't believe or even want to talk about the spiritual foundation or don't want to even explore it because they have labeled it they they fear it i mean many of them actually fear it and they don't like where it leads people either because when you are a spiritual person you have a peace within you not always i mean it's there but it can ebb and flow a bit you have something that gives you incredible strength and the voice that I have today arises from this. I never used to be able to talk spontaneously when I was young. I could write and then read it, but I wasn't a spontaneous speaker, really, not years and years ago. That came to me more after my spiritual awakening. Anyway, 
one book that almost fell off the shelf. And I haven't even read this in recent years. I can't quite remember it. It may be rather non-spiritual. It doesn't matter. It came to me in a spiritual way. It's Ursula Le Guin's The Word for World is Forest, her unique masterpiece, winner of both the Hugo and Nebula Awards, which means I probably did read it at one time, and this one I had gotten off a used bookshelf, as I often do, and I'd gotten it some time ago, actually. It says, in this beloved, award-winning masterpiece, today's most honored Mm -hmm. fantasy writer tells of the gentle people of a peaceful world and how they are invaded by bloodthirsty humans and how they fright they fight back not humans but humans with with the why and how they fight back and how they win and so i'm going to read this because i'm really curious about it because it totally aligns with what i've been saying about advanced civilizations and i can't tell you if ursula had spirituality as a part of this civilization in this book because I haven't read it again and it's been too long and maybe I've never read it. I don't know. But the thing is, it's really hard to live in a forest world and not feel spirituality and not feel completely surrounded by the divine. And the irony of all ironies is that minister I heard this morning talked about that too, how you know, or maybe it was someone else on the show. It's just something I came across, you know, what I come across before this program. And he was talking, they were talking about nature and how, you know, you see the creator in nature. This is a shared thing. This is not something that comes from one belief system. And yet, our spirituality makes us strong. Thank you, live audience. Um Continuing now into the archives. All right. So this came into my awareness and totally randomly, total alignment with what I've been saying in this program in previous broadcasts and how I wrote out the description. What is an advanced civilization? And have we gotten it wrong? It is my contention that we have that we are not focusing on the things that are important. Yes, technology is taking us places right now. It's allowing me to have this program. But we have lost sight of what is the most important thing in our elevation of a mechanistic belief system. And it is a belief system. It is a theory. It is just a way of viewing the world but it does not allow for mysticism, awareness, what some may call consciousness. I happened to see um, on my Facebook page that someone I know who's been on this show, and actually he's had a program, and I kind of like Facebook posts. He's been on this um, show a couple times in the past. Rizverk, he um, talks about what if this um, world is a simulation, and um, he's, I saw he's going to pursue a degree in studying more about consciousness. He's going to get his Ph.D. And this is a computer scientist. This is a spiritual computer scientist. And as I was preparing for this show today, I thought about this notion of why are people with the mechanistic worldview entertaining this notion that it could be a simulation? Well, I think it's because they're starting to see things that are harder for them to explain. 
And so a logical explanation could be, well, it's just some simulation of some higher species. Now, if it was a simulation, anything we feel or think could be in the simulation, right? So as a scientist, you have to postulate that, um, you know, that is a theory um, that's out there. Um, and it's not something that... Um, you know, the knowing goes deeper than that. But see, see the paradox there. See the paradox, how they've kind of found a way to explain some of this thing, some of these things. I don't know. My voice gets, when I'm feeling so strongly, sometimes it's hard to speak. Um, so in that sense, I go back to my foundation, that knowing. There's no talk of love. Well, you know, that could be simulated. Call could be. So you could explain everything away with the simulation. Now, from a spiritual belief system, many of us think we're here having some kind of an exercise. Could there be some higher group of um, created beings that are involved? And so, of course, you know, we don't know what levels exist and what levels of awareness, and all of these things. But the foundation is knowing there is more, and they're starting to see that there is more. A quantum microscope is based on quantum entanglement, which Einstein described as spooky. I mean, things were interrelated that, that he didn't feel should be, and how do you explain it? It's not to say that we can't explain some of these things, but there's still more to it. The mystical world is transcendent. It is something that is very difficult to encapsulate. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at here. In terms of um, what kind of a civilization has advanced, how have we lost our way? Well, we've elevated technology. And it's really because of survival mode. When you are in survival mode, which we have throughout our history, it's really just an entire history of one group of people feeling insecure and taking what another group of people has. Or each group, you know, is feeling insecure, worried about somebody taking what they have, and including their people, because that's happened many times throughout history, where, you know, some region is invaded, and those, you know, those people are enslaved or, um, you know, are killed, or, um, and it's all about developing different types of weaponry, and I was just reading about Mesopotamia. Actually, I was reading about um, Babylon and how um, in those days it was actually thought that if you took over a people, and some of these cultures were really brutal, like the Assyrians were very brutal people. Um, and they finally got to Egypt. I was reading about Egypt and how it managed to kind of stay to itself because geographically it was protected, but eventually... Um, you know, somebody breached that. And it was all about one group of people taking over another, subjugating another, and even taking them far away. 
And that's happened multiple, multiple times in our history. And every time it happens, it's awful, of course. And we need to think about why. Why has this happened? Why have we um, also, you know, destroyed our natural environment so many times? You know, why? And it's really because of fear. It's because of vengeance. We never get over things. Some things... um, you know, if you look at the Crusades, for example, I mean, there are grudges that can go many, many centuries. Um, there are just so many things that have happened in our world that have harmed others. And everyone's been harmed and everyone has done harm at one point or another, unless you're living in some idyllic paradise. And sadly, sadly, that's all been driven by lower instincts, by the basest of instincts, by survival. And the spiritual world isn't like this. I remember um, when I first read about the Native Americans of the Pacific Northwest, generally they were peaceful um, because they had everything they needed. Now, it is true that the landscape they lived in had a certain hostility to it. It was interesting how they kept a record because they would forget. They would forget, so they would tell stories, how every once in a while a giant earthquake comes and a giant tidal wave. And there was even this story of make sure you tie a canoe to a tree in case the great tidal wave comes or the volcano because these things wouldn't happen in every generation. So the earth can have things that happen here that are not exactly um, easy to navigate through. That is absolutely true. I mean, look at tornadoes, look at hurricanes. The earth is a very active place, and you can ask yourself, why? Why is it like this? It is what it is. We came here to learn. We came here to grow. There's my belief system talking. And yet, that day, the love was present. When I first awakened, even years before that, before I ever would have even thought I'd be talking to you like this, do you think that I thought, I mean, people who knew me in high school, I mean, they knew I liked to read fantasy novels maybe, or, you know, I I did like things, I loved stories about magic ever since I was a child. And I had an awareness of nature, although whether people knew that, I had an awareness of the divine. And yes, you know, I I grew up within a spiritual framework, absolutely. Um, And yet, I wasn't this person. I was never this person. Not then. And yet I became this person. It's because of a spiritual awakening. It's because of things that were very, very real. It was because of feeling that overwhelming love and saying, in the only words I knew, you know, I am in the, I could feel the presence of the divine, not even putting it into words, although at the time I tried to frame it within words that I may have known. Just knowing that you're in the presence of overwhelming love, when you feel that, you know it, and we can all feel that, and we can all know that, and we can stop being caught up in the cycles of history. 
because those cycles have gone on and on and on and have repeated and repeated and repeated. And only some people on the earth have been fortunate, at least for brief periods of time, to know peace, to know a time where they weren't threatened by anything, you know, except maybe some things happening in the natural environment, and they were at peace with one another. And so there are many, many things we need to consider in the space of empathy, in the space of also um, honoring the space of where people are, honoring who they are, honoring the divine within each and every one of us. This is why spirituality is so important because it brings us together. It doesn't tear us apart. It brings us together. And it helps us to develop develop what it is we really seek. What is advanced? Well, it sure sounds like that world. I don't know how spiritual they were, and I'm going to read this book and I'll find out. But the the, a culture that would say the word for world is forest, who lived in peace, the gentle people of a peaceful world, they knew it's not aggressiveness. It's not always developing the great new thing. It's not technology. When you develop spiritually, awareness itself will take you anywhere you want to go. And believe me, if there are other very advanced technological races out there, species that are out there, you don't necessarily want to meet them. Because whether they have developed what actually matters is at question. And if they haven't, they could be still caught up in the same cycles that have plagued humanity for centuries. And that's not advancement in any way. It doesn't matter what your gadgets are. It's not advancement. It's just a step. We can utilize those tools. I'm using one now. But we didn't ever need them. You know, some years ago I wrote a story about telepathy and how that was And it came out of that time of um, awakening for me, this story. And actually, I even got to to run it by someone who had won the the Nebula Award in science fiction for a short story. A friend of a friend was helping me a little, advising me on my writing. And I did submit the story. And actually, I think some of it may have been picked up in odd ways, but I won't get into that. It never really got published, but... It had to do with telepathy and how that was true advancement, that, that, that when we made this quantum leap within this story, where I'm actually giving it away, but we were facing a very dire circumstance, which in this story was an asteroid. And um, we raised our consciousness. We raised our awareness. I'm trying to stay away from that word consciousness. We became aware of who we were spiritually. We became aware of the divine. And in this story, there was no set of skills. There was no development linearly of skill. 
And see, I think we're losing sight of some things there, too. As if we, we're all apprentices and we can learn these skills. It's not like that. Awareness isn't like that. It's about leaps. It's about becoming aware. It's about opening your eyes, and there it is, and seeing. And that, I'm capturing something live here as I talk. In the mechanic, in the mechanistic worldview, we always think, you know, just like in a computer program, there has to be, you know, this series of steps that you follow. There's no jumping ahead. You have to follow this one, two, three, five. I mean, I have a master's degree in computer science. Believe me, I know. Although there can be parallel things. There can be a lot of interesting things that you do in computer science, and now even more so. I mean, I don't even know what they're doing with quantum computing right now. But beyond that, it's not always like that. We are not all apprentices. The divine is within us. There are miracles in this world. And I have spoken. I think about my grandfather more and more, who was a minister and started a church. And there was healing that took place within that church. And I have seen healing happen. I have felt it myself. Many people can attest to it. I cannot say that when I observed it, there was a formula per se. We want to attribute these steps, a formula, this and that and this elaborate thing. Now, I've spoken of this before. There can be those tools to assist. In fact, I actually had a dream about that some years ago, to not dismiss that, even if I didn't understand what some people are doing to get to that point. So I'm not dismissing that, but it's also not necessary. There are many, it may be necessary on one person's path that that's what works for them, but it isn't a requirement for everyone. Whatever path takes you there, takes you there. That's the point of that. And that was the point of a dream I had where my father who had died actually was showing me this because I had to feel comfortable with some of the work I was doing supporting different modalities I didn't understand. And I didn't want to be supporting something that you know, was misleading or taking advantage or anything like that. And I was given some assurance that people get where they need to go in the ways that they need that helps them. That was the guidance I received. All right, more of the writings that came to me before today. Emily Dickinson, actually, I'm not doing this in order. She came to me last today, and this one came directly to me. I wasn't really looking at, there it was. And I don't even remember reading this poem before, although I probably have at some point. And I don't know if I have written down exactly when she wrote this poem. I believe she wrote it, um, no, I don't know, but that's fine. Um, Emily Dickinson lived from 1830 to 1886. Oddly, next to this poem, it says 1890. Well, maybe that's when it was discovered. I don't know. Um, But um, it's called, it's a very short poem, Much Madness is Divinest Sensed. Much Madness is Divinest Sense to a discerning eye. Much sense, the starkest madness, tis 
the majority. In this, as all, prevail. Ascent, and you are sane. Demure, you're straightway dangerous and handled with a chain. So Emily was speaking of exactly what I'm talking about in the sense of those of us who know that spirituality is vital and important and real as a foundation, not only are often judged, um, we are dismissed um, and even, you know, silenced in some ways. And it's very tempting, and we all do it sometimes, to just, um, you know, pretend that we believe in the mechanistic worldview and that that's the way that education should go and everything else. And actually, that has not served us well. The mechanistic worldview has been a reaction against oppression coming out of a belief system, you know, in the days when they were burning people at the stake. It was a reactionary impulse. We now need to correct. We now need to call ourselves back to spirituality because we are not going to advance if we continue solely down a spiritless path that never leads to a good place. In fact, on the extreme edges in the societies that have been like that, it actually leads to very horrible things. And so um, we need to claim our paths. We need to, to know what we're about and what it means to be about those things and to know that the spiritual path is an important vital, essential foundation. And that's what I'm saying today. I had another reading. I'm only going to spend a little time in it because it's rather complex. I may revisit this. I revisited it. I talked about this a little bit, but since I opened to it, and I wasn't even really looking for him today, but he seemed to be looking for me, um, it's something by William Blake. And I'm not going to read it all because it's very elaborate. William Blake lived from 1757 to 1827. And this poem, which is so interesting, it wasn't even exactly a poem. It says it was left unfinished and unpublished. And that what he wrote may have been intended simply as jottings from which several poems might later be drawn. That is the analysis in this wonderful book I found um, in the used books that I so enjoy. The poem, or groupings of writing, is Auguries of Innocence. And I believe I quoted a little bit of this um, at another show, and I will quote part of it again, even if I'm repeating. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. Let's stop. If that doesn't capture the mystical, transcendent experience of the omnipresent 
divine. I don't know what does. Whatever poem he may have intended to write from this, he surely captured it well in those four lines. Then he actually talked about what is contrary to what he just referred to. A robin redbreast in a cage puts all heaven in a rage. A dove house filled with doves and pigeons pigeons, shudders hell through all its regions. Dog starved at his master's gate predicts the ruin of the state. And I'm not going to continue with all of this. Here's another. I'm just going to jump around a little. A skylark wounded in the wing, a cherubim does cease to sing. See what else it has to say. So, basically, there's another part of this I wanted to, I'm jumping, jumping ahead. So, quite a long um, poem. Talks about innocence because that's what this is about. This is the part that really caught me today because it has to do really with what we're teaching. Because we have gone so far afield from the spiritual and that we've stopped to even acknowledge it. And it's all mechanistic, everything. And where has that taken us? What kind of a world is that building? because we've devalued the spiritual. But we've also um, equated the spiritual with a particular form of belief. And so the, the question always is, well, you know, you can't teach a belief system. It's different. There are many things that we share within the spiritual community. And I think that's going to become very important about now, what we share and what we care about, and when we feel the love of the divine. Listen to this. He who shall teach the child to doubt, the rotting grave shall ne'er get out. He who respects the infant's faith triumphs over hell and death. The child's toys and the old man's reasons are the fruits of the two seasons. The questioner who sits so sly shall never know how to reply. He who replies to words of doubt doth put the light of knowledge out. That's all I'm going to say right there because there's a lot to this this poem. And I'm encountering some of this really for the first time, even though maybe some of it I've seen before. It doesn't matter. For me, it's new right now. And I'm thinking about it in a new way because if I read it when I was in college or in high school, I would have thought about it differently back then, even though I did think about things. And I was not a non-spiritual person. I was a seeker for sure. But I'm my eyes are more open now than they used to be. In any case, we're talking about innocence, children, the innocent in all of us 
knows, knows this foundation, knows this spiritual foundation. That's the key. And yet we teach the unknowing. We take everyone away from that which is the true future if we are to survive of humanity. We're not going to make it as a non-spiritual, a denying spiritual people, as doubters, as skeptics, as so-called rationalists. It's not rational. What we're talking about is not rational. And what's so funny is I was saying this, my computer, which I haven't touched, it's popped on, never does that, all by itself. I didn't touch it at all. You know how they go into quieter mode? Well, it seemed to respond to the energy. How interesting. I know. The doubters out there will say, oh, that's just silly. That's just ridiculous. I know you're out there. I don't know whether you're listening, but I know you're out there. If you want to see the spiritual world, if you really are courageous enough to look, then ask. That's what I did. Just hold on to your hat when it arrives because you just can't predict what may happen next. Grounding is very important. What we need right now, but grounding doesn't mean being grounded in the sense of just crashing into nothing. Spirituality, by its very nature, is not, it it is a mystical realm. It is not something that is easily, um, how do I put it, you can navigate within it very successfully. That in itself is a skill because powerful mystical experience can be an untamed land, to use another term from some, actually that term's been used more than once, but um, it feels untamed. You can navigate within it with grounding. And, you know, for some of us who've had mystical experiences, we don't necessarily need to go back to that. You don't need the fireworks. You don't need to be overwhelmed every day. You need to navigate through the world, but you can still feel it because when you truly find that space of grounding, it's a continual reassurance. Coming back to the theme of this program, and we're just about at the hour, so I'm going to end. Spiritual assurance is that peace. It's that settled spirit. It's that knowing. And it's that thing that allows us to navigate in whatever walk of life we're in. And absolutely you can be a scientist. Of course you can. Because a real scientist is exploring truth. A real researcher is open to what is real. And far too often we shut the doors before we even begin. That will take us nowhere. Shutting people down and not honoring 
free spirits is wrong as well. The divine is not that way, and it's not why we're here. We're here to be unique, created beings and to create our lives and to express who we are and to celebrate our authenticity and one another's authenticity. We are here to learn non-judgment. We are here to learn forgiveness. We are here to learn that we are living in a miraculous world and to unfold what that means. We are not here to be dominated and dictated to by people who have blinders on. That's essentially it. We're here to take the blinders off and to hope that they can too. That's why we're here. I hope you find that space and I'll continue to be talking to you about it. I'm drawing this program to a close now for today. Thank you for being here. I haven't really, I've been very, very busy, and so I haven't actually had a chance to update FrontierBeyondFear.com in a few shows, so I will be doing that soon. That's where you can find programs. And also, if you click on, you know, if you follow the show here, you'll know when there's going to be a new show. I generally define them the night before because I don't know what I'm going to talk about until the night before. That seems to be the trend, or sometimes in the day before. Um, So, and I'm going to try to stay to this time. Um, It seems to be working most weeks. I won't always be here. And some weeks, if I'm not here at this time, maybe I will do a show at a different time. But it was kind of nice to take a little break, too. So sometimes I may do that. Please do explore in the archive. It just makes me so happy to see that some of you are. Um, I, I really have had things upon my heart to share with you. And I hope you can understand why I'm doing that now. And this show's taking a bit of a different route because... Maybe you, too, have something to teach and to share from your heart, and I encourage you to do that. And if you're led to have an interview show right now, that's great if you want to do that. Right now, I'm on this path, and believe me, there are more than 400 episodes here, and there have been many where we've had wonderful conversations, no doubt, Some of them, you know, they vary in quality and and what they have to say. But many of them, you know, here and there have things to say. So, um, but at this time in my path, I am not advocating for a particular system. And a lot of times those interview shows tended to be that way. And I know someone had a new book out and they wanted to talk about it and I was supporting that and we were having a conversation. But so many times I may have wanted to question have a really honest conversation. We don't do that anymore. It doesn't mean we judge one another, but maybe we have honest questions. But I wouldn't have done that because I was supporting, you know, the person who wanted to talk about their book. And sadly, although some of the conversations were good and, you know, probably quite a few of them, too many times that becomes, it just doesn't feel like you're on as um, expansive of a path as you want to be. Um, and and really, at this time, I have things upon my heart that I feel led to share, and that's the path of the show right at this time. So thank you very much for being here. 
I will hopefully see you here next week and also in the archive. And whenever you're here with me again, there are no bounds of time or of space. So take care, everyone. Find your strength. Be yourself. Make your path. Wherever you're going with it, trust where you're led. Trust what feels right. Do your homework, too. We don't have to just take everything. We can do homework as well. Look for honesty and people who are treating you with honesty. Look for that because it's one of the most difficult things in life is to honestly be ourselves. And we all approach it. It's not easy. I still approach it as best I can and know that it's a process and it is for me too. But when you see that you're being treated in some way dishonestly or not being given a full picture when you actually deserve to know that, if you're truly being respected, look at that carefully and make decisions mindfully and within your heart and within your own discernment because honesty matters a lot. It matters going forward as much as we can find it. And it is a process, even being honest with ourselves. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Mm-hmm.